Our New Testament scripture comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In recent years, I have noticed that manger scenes which of course are based on this passage here in Luke chapter 2 and and then the material we find in Matthew's gospel, really the the two gospels that tell uh, the birth story of Jesus. Manger scenes have really become an industry. And and you've, you've probably seen this. You can buy just about any kind of manger scene that you can imagine. There are manger scenes made of all kinds of various material, various styles, beautiful, ornate, and grand, simple, and wonderful semicircles of the characters, just so in adoration around the Christ child. And then there are also Muppet manger scenes, Art Deco manger scenes, Star Wars manger scenes, For $109.99, you can purchase the hipster manger scene, which has three wise men carrying Amazon Prime boxes to the manger. Irreverent, thoughtful, ridiculous, pious, beautiful, I mean, really, they run the gamut. People do all kinds of interpretive things with them. The the craziest and the most traditional, they're all some form of an interpretation. And so it got me to thinking, you know, People are doing this, some of them just trying to make a buck, some of them trying to make a point, some of them truly trying to be pious and God-honoring. What about us? I mean, what if one year we were to put together the manger scene in our home that just really got it, that just really captured the heart of Christmas? Because when you think about it, Christmas always brings together family, near and far, old friends, new friends, first-time dinner dates, fiancés. It is this hodgepodge of people and perspectives and walks of life. And if they come to your place for lunch or dinner, I imagine there's an okay chance that somewhere in your home there's a manger scene they might notice or they very well could notice. And so what if one year... That display was done 
just so to capture the essence of the Christmas story. We thought through every single detail. We tried to interpret it as faithfully as possible so that when our family members and friends and, and, and the folks we haven't seen in forever and the ones we don't like and the ones we like, they notice the manger scene. We, the church, we, we, we could pick up the pieces and explain what each of them is about and, and what it means and what the whole of it is about. I imagine if we were to go about this, your first inclination would be a bit like mine. Well, let's go back to the scripture itself. Let's, let's read the story again and make sure we've got it. We might notice there is no mention of animals in Matthew or Luke. Doesn't mean they might not have been there, just, okay, they don't even appear. We might notice they never tell us how many wise men there are. Only that they came from the east, likely Persia, pretty far away, and began traveling toward Jesus when they saw the star. Which means we definitely can't put them at the manger scene itself when Jesus is born. They arrive a good bit later. They probably should go in the other room. And we could have as many or as few of them as we like. No official numbers given. We might also notice that they're not called kings. We three kings. They're called magi, a word that referred to a class of priests in the east who studied astrology and were interpreters of omens and signs. They're spiritualists of of another religion, Gentiles. We are meant to understand their presence as a people who were far away geographically and otherwise. We might notice that even as a lot of displays that we can purchase in the store, they have that baby Jesus with kind of open arms like this and a slightly angelic head tilt and smile. It says he's swaddled and wrapped. We might notice a few different details that we take for granted in the traditional scene. And so we go about making our preparations and maybe we're dust in the big open table right by the front door and we're preparing our manger scene that will need to be seen by all who pass through it. We like the idea that it's that it's right there at the front. After all, Jesus came to be born among us, came our direction. But then I wonder if, if we wouldn't just sit back one more time with the scripture and, and, and could it be that if we really wanted to get at the essence, we would shift our whole approach. I mean, what if there was still a more faithful way to interpret and understand the significance of the manger scene in ways that might convey the heart of Christmas to our loved ones that, that gets there not just by being perfectly historically accurate, but by lifting up what's going on underneath the text as well. And so we might look again at the scripture, and we notice how Jesus' birth is named while the big names and big events are getting all of the press. Verses 1 and 2. Emperor Augustus has told the empire to go and get registered for tax purposes. Tax stuff's going on. Big things are going on. There's mention of Quirinius by name. He's the governor of Syria. Big positions, big name, big events. We notice that Jesus himself is born far from the big names or the headlines or the big cities. Bethlehem is the name. It's familiarity in our, in our church lingo. We sometimes forget how small and poor that city was. In Hebrew, it's a city that means city of bread. It's, it's referred to twice here in Luke. It's referred to 40 times in the Old Testament as, quote, the city of David. A, a way of naming the great King David came from such humble origins. 
We might notice that even in, in poor Bethlehem, there, there's, just, there's no room for Jesus. And so he must go to a manger. And a manger, we might recall, is, it, it's a feeding trough for animals. And because we're sitting with the scripture a little longer, we notice three times in just those 16 verses, Luke uses the word manger. And we know enough to know that when the, when the Bible does some repetition, something's being underlined, something's being underscored. Manger, feeding trough, three times. That's a place for the food, for the animals, and through the animals, right? The people. So Jesus is born in a place for food in the city of bread. And, and then maybe that observation prompts us back to, to, to turn page back and go to Luke chapter 1. Because maybe we remember how Mary, while she was pregnant, she sang this song, uh, the Magnificat, as we call it. And, and one of the lines in that song is where she sings about God and says, God speaks of the God who, quote, has filled the hungry with good things. The God who is born in the flesh is a God who feeds the hungry. And, and so maybe we start to put all this together, trying to listen closely to this theme that Luke is not being as quiet as we thought about. We have, in a place for food, a manger, located in a city of bread, the God who fills the hungry being born. The, the bread of life, as the Gospel of John just gets right at it. The one who fills the hungry, feeds the hurting, nourishes the world with life and love and redemption. He comes in the city of bread in a feeding trough. I have come to give myself as living bread to a hungry world. And indeed, if we just keep reading through Luke, we come to find out that that the manner in which this Jesus feeds us is by having his body, in fact, broken and his blood poured out in love for us. But that's... Getting ahead of ourselves. Right now, we just attend to Luke chapter 1 and 2. And we see the promise that's coming upon the scene is living bread for a hungry world born into obscurity. And now we're starting to draw even more closely to the heart of Christmas. So imagine again, we're dusting the front table and thinking how to put together the manger scene that just really captures the essence. And people are going to walk by and see it and comment And we start with thinking of all the busiest places in our home so that we can situate it best for sight line. Think of the places where people are always chatting. People inevitably gather. Think where the music is playing or maybe even the TV is is on or the foot traffic just generally is always heavier. And then we realize if we want to capture the essence of this story, we can't put the manger scene in any of those places or in the sight line of of those places. Jesus was not born next to the press, the politicians, the big names, the big chatter. God appeared among the overlooked, the poor, the unheralded. We might tell the story most faithfully if we find a spot in our home that is overlooked, unheralded, lacking. So where would that be? Corner of the basement? Closet no one uses? Garage piled high with, like, who knows what kind of junk from who knows when. Is there dust or dirt in that particular spot that's coming to mind? All the better. 
if you want to proclaim a God who comes among sinners who do not have it all together. Okay, and so we decide upon our overlooked dusty spot. Here's what I think I would do next. On the morning that we're going to have folks over for the Christmas dinner, party, whatever, we go and we bake bread. And we best bake the best bread we know how to bake. Even if we don't know how to bake, we learn. The goal is to bake the largest, best loaf of fresh bread we have ever had. Warm and soft, that right out of the oven smelling smell that, that, the, that the good bread always has. And then, right, we take that nice, large loaf of bread that we have baked and we place it right in the dusty, overlooked, unheralded spot. And that's it. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. what about the shepherds? They, they're the ones who are just busy doing their job at night and they come to see Jesus. What about faithful Mary and Joseph just trying to do God's will? Uh, wh- what about the magi who believe other things? I mean, what... What about the varied cast of characters who come to adore the Christ child? We, we, we need to tell the whole story. And so what if, that's one year, we risk just leaving it as it is. The best bread we've ever made sitting in the most unheralded, dusty spot of our home. And that's our manger scene. And the people, they arrive... Music may be playing or the TV's on. And and inevitably, folks gather in the familiar spot around the familiar chatter of the latest and greatest in sports and politics and family and the business. But wouldn't it be something if just one or two people, if they noticed the smell of fresh bread? Did someone bake fresh bread? Where is that? And so you lead your varied cast of characters away from the decorations and the music and the television. And you head down to the basement or up to the corner of the attic or over in the unlikely garage area. And everyone gathers close into this sort of semicircle and you point to this warm, soft loaf of fresh bread and you say, that is the best bread you will ever have. And this speaks to the heart of what Christmas is about. Do you want to try it? Perhaps that sounds unlikely. But is it any more unlikely than the God and creator of the universe and the creator of you and me being born in human flesh in a feeding trough of a poor town and drawing unto himself through dreams and angels and stars a motley crew comprised of a faithful Jewish couple, a working class shepherds, wise men of another country and another religion carrying great wealth. I think sometimes in our desire to get the season right, the dinner just right, the gifts just right, the traditions just right, even the manger scene just right, we forget the scandalous, beautiful truth that is at the heart of Christmas. The God of the universe comes to us as living bread to starving bodies and souls. And he enters not into the big news and the perfect settings. He enters among the poor, the dirty, the overlooked. Can our manger scenes proclaim such a scandalously good God? And so this day, if, if you gather today or, or tomorrow, or family or friends or stranger, and you, you feel yourself an outsider because you know you have the baggage, or you're the black sheep, or you're the one who's always forgotten, 
or misunderstood. Know that Jesus loves making his home precisely in such spaces and nourishes life. Receive living bread. And if this day or tomorrow you gather with friends and family and the scene is raucous or fun or political or trivial, take a deep breath and and then glance over at those side conversations going on. Or the toddler by herself. Or the great-grandparent sitting over here. Or maybe all the way over at the nursing home because he just can no longer make these. Or the family member who has a past and we're pretty sure has a present, if you know what I'm talking about. Or or, or glance around the corner from your apartment and and, and notice the one reaching in the garbage to sift through what's been thrown away after all the new gifts have been passed around. But but look in one of these unheralded directions that's not going to get the headlines, the energy. Jesus loves to be born in such spaces, such hearts. And then just go listen or converse or pray and receive yourself the gift of living bread born this day. For the nourishment of life and life eternal is the gift of Christmas. But he comes always among the unheralded, the dusty, the overlooked. May we have eyes to see May we have ears to hear and may we even perhaps have a nose to smell the gift who is born this day. Amen.